Welcome to Just Another Side Quest. This is a show where a couple of 30-year-olds discuss current games we're playing, thoughts on various bits of gaming news, and we'll definitely get sidetracked pretty often. We're married, some of us have kids, and a few of us work in the games industry, and a couple of us don't. We keep it casual and try to cover a wide range of games. I'm James, and tonight Randall, Aaron, and I will be doing a Runeterra podcast. Primarily, that's all we talk about, but we will also at the end be discussing Pikmin 3 and Unraveled 2. Thanks for being here, and we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Just Another Side Quest, where we like talking about video games from time to time. I'm Randall. And I'm James. And I'm Aaron. And we got the intro in good this we time. We did. <laughs> give us, Practicing. Give us a round of applause. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so immediately after our last episode, uh, I started uh, playing Legends of Runeterra. And I just did one intro uh, kind of game, and I was way in over my head. So it kind of took the whole next day at lunch uh, for me to feel like I got a good idea what I was doing. So that's yeah. that's what I kind of want to lead off with as I, I started the, uh, would you call it a collectible card battling game or a deck builder game? What's the What do you think is the technical name? A deck building card game, probably. It's not collectible. I think because it doesn't have the random packs that like Magic the Gathering or some of the digital games like Hearthstone are trying to emulate. Um, there are rarities, but it doesn't really matter because you can straight buy any card. Like the ecosystem is a little different. So you're probably mm-hmm. deck builder. Well, going in, um, it was I, I could see what you guys were saying where I'm at a flavor disadvantage but that's the only disadvantage um i learned a lot of the basic characters or at least you know who would work with who correctly Mm -hmm. um one thing that i wasn't ready for is that the uh you have a number of hero cards as well as your regular uh regular monsters and then uh kind of spell cards and action cards yeah um but the 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 hero cards have a level up system in them. Yeah, that's that like triggered, the big gimmick in this. Yeah, they trigger on completely different things. You know, some of them it's survive two attacks or um, you know destroy one creature with a, a value higher than whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a really good job of onboarding you in the uh, in the tutorial. I felt like I have a decent handle on the game now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm any good at it, but I, I definitely see how deep the game can be. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job of, yeah, the onboarding on that game is really good at getting you a taste of everything, mm-hmm. but also like letting you peek behind a couple of the mechanics that you probably won't encounter for a while on start. So it gives you just this great, like, here's a peek, and immediately, if you're into deck building or like card games, this sort of thing, or like systems it immediately gets your mind kind of going, oh, I like that. I'm going to aim for something. Like I immediately can give myself a goal as to where I want to go with the deck building, which is cool. Yeah, I I really like the, um, so the system for uh, acquiring energy to play cards is uh, another thing I haven't seen uh, before just coming from 1999 card games yeah uh where every round you each get um 
one energy, and then you each have a, a turn to attack, and then that flips, and then you get two energy, and the next round you each get three, and it wipes whatever you have left. So it encourages um, you know, trying to use all of the energy that you can in a round instead of hoarding it all up and you know, using a, something big uh, later. You can't save energy from round to round. Except there is like a tiny little pool, which ends up being a decently deep mechanic. Mm-hmm. You can save up to three, but that's it. And then you start losing oh, like past that. So there is absolutely a bit of play on and when you save and when you can't and, and when you don't save. Yeah. And those three can only be used on spells. They can't be used on characters or other right, monsters. But, yeah, yeah, because your your typical energy is used for for spells, summoning, and some special uh, effects. Um, but yeah, your your main pool, uh, which you really need to use all of your energy in the first couple of rounds. When I tried to save any in the first, like the second or third round, uh, I would just about get rolled even by the easy AI. Um, it's key to get um, a, just something out in front uh, of your hand to protect your, your uh, what do they call it, the nodes? The nexus. The nexus. So yeah. that's your, your personal health bar. You start with about 20 of them. And, you know, you're trying to break their defenses to attack the Nexus directly, mm-hmm. uh, which very, I assume yeah. is a very League of Legends thing. <laughs> it's got the League of Legends flavor, but it is ultimately very similar to Hearthstone in its mm-hmm. overall structure, because that's pretty much how Hearthstone works. Yeah, coming coming with very little uh, experience in that, it still made a lot of sense mm-hmm. of, well, you got to break down the walls and then... You know, just trying to get something out there because if someone's got, you know, if if all they can attack you with is one, that's not such a big deal. But if they have two guys out there, one can do four, the other one can do five in round five. If you can get a body out there with one energy to take that hit, it's generally worth it. Um, and I found the swings would happen very quickly. There was a couple of rounds that... I was down, you know, they were still at 20 and I was down to like six or seven health. Uh, but I ended up with the right cards that I was able to um, match their their attack with my defense just correctly and wipe out their whole, uh, you know, their whole defensive line in one round. And then the next round, they didn't have the proper cards to play to defend themselves. And I was able to play five cards and go from, you know, 20 to six with me down to winning that round and putting about 30 points of damage up in the eighth round, I believe Mm -hmm. uh, in one turn. So it's never over until uh, the game says it is. It really is. I have one with one health, so and I'm sure Aaron's in the same boat after we've played a yeah. large number of games. It's that, weird to be on your back foot for seven rounds, <laughs> and just like every round, I'm like, "Well, I'm just pulling through, just pulling through," and then things just land, you know, in you know two turns of combat, one one full round that 
you know, you were able to just wipe the floor all of a sudden. Yeah. So I'm sure that goes the other way. It doesn't matter if they only have one point left and you have more than 20 because there's a way of gaining gaining uh, uh, next health. Max. So you can heal back up, but you cannot overheal past 20, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, because you could, there are a couple cards that you could just stack and stack. It'd be, yeah, it'd be really, really broken. A couple <laughs> deck types. Yeah, there's two uh, concepts that ultimately you're like talking about, which is tempo and curve mm-hmm. um, that they use a lot in the game. Um, the mana curve is all about being able to play on that curve. The fact that you only have one point turn one, two turn two, three turn three, and how to manage that up into like six and seven. After that point, most cards are going to be playable. So it's all about like building a deck that lets you draw into a nice one cost something, two cost something, and then a three cost so that your first three turns get your particular game's shtick, like your deck's gimmick rolling and kind of shores up defenses. So playing on curve is like the core principle to deck building and like learning how to deck build in a way that will keep your card draw consistent is huge. That way you don't have like a game where you completely lost and then a game where you did really well, but it kind of flattens it a bit more. So you're always consistently drawing what you need when you need it. Yeah. And then tempo, which is like running out of cards or running out of steam. And the goal is to like make sure you play in a way that will always keep some tempo on your side of the the field, so to speak. And that's those games that feel really good is when they start to feel bad because you're drawing poorly or you've completely lost tempo, like the enemy's just controlling the board. But then you get what you need or they make a mistake and they lose a couple of their, you know, you can pick off some of their characters on their side of the board and that tempo shift switch that starts to happen. And then the when that steam engine starts to go and your deck actually starts to do what it's supposed to after like round seven or eight, or maybe you're even at like round 10 and you've just barely been making it, that always feels really good. And to have a comeback from like a really low point so Nexus. when you run PvP, uh, how long are the uh, are the matches generally? Are they ten rounds? Are they twelve? Depends on the deck that you are. Yeah. The decks. So, Aaron so far <laughs> has enjoyed slower build decks. Yeah. That, that take probably what ten to fifteen rounds of play before you. Well, maybe like eight to twelve. Whereas my yeah. better decks are like a five round, like five to 10 round deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Aaron, it's probably like a 20 minute game. And with me, it's probably a 10. Is that the... If your deck is hitting that the tempos it needs to. Yes, that's if it's not, I'm at like a 15 minute loss is what's going to happen if mm-hmm. my deck doesn't do what it needs to do. Quickly. But it also depends on who you're playing against. If they have, like when me and James play against each other, I have to make sure I can still handle his faster paced deck mm-hmm. and basically just outlast him. And that's, what's fun. Essentially her tempo, like her entire thing is to live until she gets the ball rolling in like turn five and six. Mm-hmm. And with the particular deck I've been running against it to kind of test it, I get the ball rolling on turn one and I'm full steam ahead on turn five. But then I start to peter out of, like at a certain point, I can't out damage the amount of healing her. 
deck starts to do. So if, it's interesting. If we're talking about the healing deck. Yeah. But because deep, I still still have a tendency of building decks that are later game decks, if I still tend to have, have the game. Like, if I'm lasted to round six to eight and still am keeping up with his tempo, I will then outlast him because yeah, cool. he'll start to, start to peter off. Yeah. So cool. when, when the game first starts each match, uh, they show you your hand and you can swap. Is it one card out? All of them. All of them. You, you, you can swap up to full, all of them. A full yes. mulligan mm-hmm. of your choice. So you only have four cards in your starting hand and then you'll draw one on round one. So you'll have five. But it's a very nice, soft mulligan where you get to keep some of your cards and throw some away. Whereas most so, other games I've played are like discard all or don't. What's your guys's uh, personal strategies on that? For me, you know, coming from, uh, I'm as newbie beginner as I can be. I just want to make sure that I, I really don't want anything that's like a summon eight or higher. Cause I've, I've had that a few times where I'm like, I don't need this. This is, you know, but I don't know if that then goes to the bottom of the deck. And so you need to be careful not to do that because then that puts a powerful one long ways away. Or uh, I just try and make sure that I always have like a one, two and a three summon uh, in my hand from the get go. That just makes me feel more comfortable knowing that each round I can use the maximum uh, power to, to get someone strong on the field. What What's your guys's kind of opening gambit and then we can kind of go into your your builds and you know kind of explain why you uh you choose that depends on the deck again um you have to understand i have about nine decks built that i've actually put personal attention to um and while i have a general tendency to build for the long game i still there's still differences between the decks but my decision to when i mulligan and when i don't is based off what that deck is. I do have a deck that I'm looking for like three specific cards that I have usually three of each in my deck to find. So it's a high chance I get them. And if I don't find them in the first one, I will just go ahead and mulligan all four to see if I can find them. Unless I have some decent other like offhand cards that are like, I can handle with these until I find my other cards. But I want to find those three specific cards because that's my end game. Yeah, I I would probably be similar. If the deck has a very particular um, card that kind of the deck is revolving around, which a lot of times decks are built around maybe one or two cards and they're like really specific interactions. So fishing for those, um, fishing also for a curve that like Mm -hmm. you, Randy, with the one, two, three... Like, if you can get some cards so you know what your first three turns are going to look like, that's excellent. A big part of it is also knowing the enemy deck. Um, As you get better and start to memorize all of the cards across all of the different regions, you'll look at the enemy deck and go, oh, they have a bunch of, like, they are going to play a barrier deck. Like, a, a particular keyword is probably going to come up a lot, which means these two cards in my deck are completely countered by that barrier like class, like that particular mechanic is going to counter these. So I, I need them to not be drawn. I need to get rid of them. So knowing that eventually becomes the most important thing when you're mulliganing. And it's what part of my deck is the best against what I'm about to play. And let's try and fish for that. Um, then the last thing is also card draw. 
it's good to build some card draw into your deck so that when you, you don't run out of steam, you don't lose tempo. So you have cards that when you play them will draw more cards so that you keep your hand as full as possible. It really feels bad when you run out of cards and then you're just drawing one card every turn. Mm -hmm. Is there the a hand limit? 10. Yeah, 10. So you can draw a ton. Like that's a very forgiving amount. I've never hit full 10 unless the deck is very specifically just like drawing piles of cards or putting a pile of cards into my hand from some sort of mechanic like gems yeah um, gems so i would consider that also really important is just that's in the deck building though you need to make sure you've got card draw before you ever hit the table for a game so you don't run out of steam and so if i see that in the opening hand sometimes i'll mulligan it away because I'm, I'm i just need to fish for that early game content but if i already have it and then i've got some extra card draw i'm like perfect i've got what i need to start and i have some card draw to fix any problems that might happen if I draw really poorly in the next three rounds. Because it, it does feel bad when you draw like your eight cost card turn one mm -hmm. or turn two. And you're like, I'm not going to be able to use this for 10 minutes. Like, Yeah, I usually while. try and get rid of that. It doesn't do me any good. Yeah. So having some card draw, especially like discard to draw. Um, there's particular regions that are better at that. Mm -hmm. I always like. And that sometimes I'm throwing away that eight cost. But it's going to let me draw up a couple new, like, more cards early um, and keep pace. So it depends. And, and to speak to that, about to that eight card, when I was first, in my first deck that I really spent time building around, I actually would like having one eight card, well, eight cost card in my hand because there's specific characters that when I would put them down, they would get extra abilities if I was holding an eight cost card. Yeah, and it meant that um, it meant that I was I'd have more power over my team, even though I couldn't play that card until way later. Which leads into a, I like how, and I mean most card games start to do this. They like they completely stretch as many of their mechanics as they can out to the full, and this game has really so far it's been cool because it utilizes as much as it possibly can as far as mechanics i know there's a plenty more they're going to be able to come up with but even making that a mechanic um, where holding cards in your hand with the behold keyword mm -hmm. becomes a strategy or like you need to think about what's in your hand purely because it's affecting what's on the board not just like i play cards i play cards i play cards and they interact with each other once played. No, in this case, like it's interacting with your deck. There's a deep keyword that interacts with like the size of your deck. So there's a mechanic around just trying to get your deck down to a certain size um, and just get rid of cards. So it's, it's cool because there's just a pile of ways that the digital card games can interact within their own systems that, you know, Randy, growing up like Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or magic never could there's just yeah. no way a card could like shuffle four new extra copies of a card into the deck or check the top four cards for you and give them buffs mm -hmm. before you drew them like it was just too much paperwork to do all that so i, I did playing. i did notice that a lot of this would would be way too fiddly yeah mm -hmm. uh, and really they take the the wasted time out of the game which uh i'm sure that's arguable there's a lot of people that that's probably why they don't like the electronic games is because you're not physically handling the cards and, you know, you're not 
taking the time to move this and slide this behind that card. And, and I get that. I still, I still get paper magazines, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a Luddite in that, but I like the fact that if there's no legal move for me to make, it ends my turn. Which you can turn that off. I did because I kind of like people to think I might still have a move, but yes, it's very nice. When I'm, when I'm playing against the AI, I, I mean, I appreciate that because I don't know how many hours I have spent in my life going, wait, 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 there might be something here. Or you end your turn, they go, oh, no, I, I could have done this. So if yeah. it's still sitting there, I look at, you know, do I still have energy to use? Could I do something? But also, that's not really what I've experienced is that there's, you know, stuff I would have missed. It's always, mm-hmm. it ends the turn. And I go, yeah, there's nothing more for me to do. I already exactly. had it planned out and and I did it. Uh, and, it's very succinct like that. And I guess the difference between your experience that you just described versus James is that James doesn't like it because he wants to do the psychology thing in PvP. But against the AI, there's no timer on you to actually play in, within a certain time. But you do have that against uh, in PvP. And so, like, if you have the extra time, like, being able to spend it a little bit just to make the player think, like, hey, you might not have something here. Yeah, it, PvP. Um, when I see the thing auto-passing, or, like, it's passing really quickly, and that happens, like, three turns in a row to my enemy in PvP, I go, okay, they probably have the auto-pass turned on. And then, when it does it really quickly, but they still have, like, three mana, I can go, oh, they have no spells that cost more than, or that cost under three mana at this point. So, so you know it's probably happen. a slow deck. Or, yeah, or they just haven't drawn into, and this is where you're like, okay, it's this particular region, it, they're kind of rocking this particular build, which means they're probably running this card, this card, or they probably have this card in their deck. But if that turn timer's flipping instantly, and they've been doing that, and they had mana, I can go, okay, well, they don't have this card and they don't have this card. I don't need to worry about that until they draw another card. And I'm like, perfect. So it's, I'm worried other people will do it to me. So <laughs> that's why I like always kind of wait a few seconds before or try to be a little sporadic I'll, on when I... I'll be honest, I've used that against you because I'm, I'm quick to pass <laughs> if I know I don't want to do anything. You're going to think I'm auto-passing. Oh, well, yeah. Possibly. And then I do yeah. when I do have a card that I'm just holding on to, I can just play it, and you're not expecting oh, it. There we go. Don't Wonderful. you have auto pass on? Or I do have auto pass on. Yeah, okay. But sometimes I'm the one who's quick to pass. Well, if you have auto pass on, then. But if I, I'm the one who's actually oh, manually passing I it. I see. Okay. Because yeah. I still have a one cost yeah. spell in my hand Ooh. that will buff up my there character. Super psychology. Mind Super games. psychology. That's fun. Mine is apparently being, being had over here. That explains so much. Overthinking is probably what's going on over here in my boat. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stickers are kind of a fun... I like the way that they were able to foster community. Speaking of PvP, mm-hmm. um, there's really not much you can do to be toxic, except for like maybe spam a sticker. But then you can be muted so easily. So, so far, the encounters have all been, it's either silent, and you're just kind of randomly playing against somebody, or there's some waves passed back and forth with the emote stickers. When you have a good play, it always feels good when the enemy has like a little sad 
yeah. emote pop up or like a big shocked face pop up. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to do the same back. Or if you make a big mistake, there's a face palm. Um, so there's some good like stickers that I think do actually quite a bit of work on making it feel like you have somebody across the table. But they've removed <laughs> most of the ability to get the toxicity that you would get in like a competitive kind, kind of like a um uh, a rocket league or like a nintendo product where when they allow communication it's pretty hard to to grief or be terrible you have yeah. to really put mm -hmm. effort in yeah. which they learned from league yes Don't they put did. a chat box in the <laughs> if people can type whatever they want it's going to be very toxic so yeah. and we all we all played uh uh csgo at one point <laughs> I did not. I didn't either, actually. <laughs> oh, it's just you. But I, you know, we were back in the day when Xbox Live was fledgling product, and we were on Halo 2. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning. Yep, yep. There can be, there, there can be toxicity. Uh, so to finish out, kind of nerding out on this, uh, <laughs> let's go full uh, narrow cast and give us just a couple of minutes on your guys's. Uh, Aaron, I realize you have three dozen decks. Um, <laughs> I have my favorite. I can narrow it down to. Okay, your favorite favorite one or two, and and you know what you like about it. What I'm really <sighs> doing is uh, trying to steal all of your uh, thoughts and ideas to mm -hmm. have a decent deck myself because I've built zero decks mm -hmm. and oh. are still using the ones that are you know okay. kind of given to you. So uh, this is this is me sitting back and learning. All right, Aaron, give them the super annoying decks that you've got. I'm, I'm actually not doing the deep deck because I'm not sure if that's my favorite yet. It's oh, okay. I only just built it last night and was playing with James with it. So, that was um, annoying. but I know it works because because I've seen other it work with other people. Um, the deck I I have a healing based deck that is probably my favorite. I'll come back to that. My other deck I've really enjoyed building and figuring out how I want to use it is my Shadow Isle Freljord deck, I think. Yes, Freljord. Um, it's based around the champions of Sejuani. Or Se I think I took Sejuani out, actually. But um, Hecarim and Callista. And I think I took Thresh out. Yeah, so Hecarim and Callista. And at one point, Sejuani was in there. And the idea is um, it's more Shadow Isle-based. And the shadow stick is you can kill your characters and they come back. Um, that's a, that's one of the major things that's specific to the shadow isle because it's a bunch of ghosts and creepy, creepy people. Um, and so there's ways to power up that way. Um, and they have a keyword keyword called ephemeral. And ghosts. while I have, um, I think J this is James hated character that I use is the sharks, the ghost sharks. Those ghost sharks. I think they're, they're ch it's chariot is in the official word because they carry a chariot around. But um, you put it out, this ghost shark, it's a little two cost card that's like three, one, and then it dies as soon as it's attacked or at the end of the round. But anytime another ephemeral card comes out and is, uh, and is on the board attacking, those sharks will show up again. So if I've played two sharks before, um, and they've died like maybe three rounds ago. I put out another random ghost that's ephemeral. 
those two sharks are going to come back and suddenly there's three characters attacking instead of the one that you saw on the board. Oh man, that's a surprise attack too. Yeah. And it levels Hecarim up. Yeah. And he shows up and he on attack, like spawns more of them. So Mm -hmm. it can get pretty out of hand if you don't shut that down quick. And you have to just keep keeping track of it too. Yes. There's no tracking for that, surprisingly. Most stuff is tracked, but that's not. That one's hard to track. Aaron, how many sharks were out there? (laughs) She's like, one. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay. And then two show up. You lie. (laughs) I've gotten up to four on the board before that were just like sitting in the death area, I guess, waiting to be called back. And I put out one guy who had been turned ephemeral. And now suddenly there's five on the board. It was glorious. (laughs) So that's. That's my, I think my favorite deck I've built from scratch. Like I haven't gone looking online at what to do um, for it. The other deck though is a healing based deck. It's Targon and Freljord. Yes, Freljord. Um, And this one I started myself, but got finished off because of a video that James found. We were watching this guy and he had, I realized I had all but two of his, his cards in my deck, I just had to make a small adjustment to match, and it just started banging. And so, what I was doing before, it's it's based around Soraka, and I think I before I had, I can't quite remember who else I had for well, champions. It's based around the landmark, right? Well, it, I did have it, but it was just like, hey, I can survive as long as possible because who cares? Why I have much healing. You, you not care? Well, this is before I got the changeover. Um, but the thing I was missing is I was getting inconsistent amount of damage taken. So I couldn't get my healing off because there's no healing to be done. And then what this other person introduced the idea of is there's two or three cards that I had available to me, but I wasn't using where one of them does one damage at the round start to everything on the board, including the Nexus, including enemy characters, including your own characters. And then there's a, t- a card type called the Landmark, and the Landmark for Targon is called the Star Spring, which heals everyone on your side by one. All the characters, at least. So, at the round start, I do one damage to everyone. Round end, I heal everyone by one. And the and that landmark creates an end game for me, because if it sees healing of twenty two damage over the course of the game, I automatically win. Doesn't matter where the nexus stats are at. I've won with a enemy health like enemy nexus being at twenty. It just doesn't care. It's now a timer. And it means that it doesn't matter if I take out the enemies. As long as I'm surviving, I'm good. And it changes the rules of the game a little bit. And it takes, at least at our skill level, people by surprise. Well, that's awesome. You just have a smart bomb just <laughs> on on a literal timer. And you mm-hmm. you know, you don't, it doesn't matter what they do. As long as you have a point left, it doesn't matter what other cards you do. As long as you follow that, yeah, you just got to hold out. That's mm-hmm. really impressive and makes me wonder how much balancing do they do on the back end? Is that something, because it's a lot harder to change a card. I mean, can they 
can they do that? Can they retroactively change a card? Because yeah. what if what if someone buys a card to do a certain thing like you've done, and then they change a number from a three to a two, um, and it messes up your whole strat? I wonder if people would get upset about that. They have already done several balance patches. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing. When you mm-hmm. buy a card, it's digital, so you don't own it. Um, so they don't have to have a ban list like Magic does. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, Magic essentially kind of does the same thing. When you buy a deck from them, they essentially tell you you have three years to play with those cards. However overpowered we accidentally made them, you have three years, and then it's out of, like, regulation play, and you it turns into a legacy card. Um, I know with Hearthstone, that's also the case where, not the timer, but a balance patch will con- constantly change a card of yours. So if you have a really, really strong card, the meta could shift to where you're expensive fancy card kind of became worthless i guess in some sort of way mm-hmm. and that's the same for this um so you definitely go in with that expectation like you don't own the cards in the same way yeah. so you you could uh go on a like a long vacation or take a break from the game and come back and your decks could be completely broken yes yes and that's which, which is kind of the fun of the game though is yeah. is then you have it's kind of a new game you know if mm-hmm. you think you had conquered it and then you come back, oh, well, let's, you know, let's uh, start from scratch, see if we can tune these to work, or if some of them are irreparably broken, you know, make a, make a new one. It kind of gives you a new game in a way. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that's the goal. I think League of Legends is a great example of that company's ethos mm-hmm. on how to keep their game, like, players coming back and, like, keep a freshness. And, oh, my goodness, with League of Legends, the meta shifted drastically. I mean, every yes. year when you come back and, like, look at what is being played, a lot of the time, at least 50% of what was garbage last season is, like, suddenly top tier the following season. So I'm willing to bet that this card game is going to follow the same suit of they're not afraid to shake it up big, completely try and remove certain really strong meta decks from, like, the top tier and try and pull them way down to let other decks shine. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, though, it feels pretty good. Like, because of the way that matchups are so important, even a off-meta or tier three deck can do pretty good if you're good at the game and you know how mm-hmm. to navigate the other person's deck. Um, and then it comes down to matchups and just if your and, deck's going to match up well. And I would say, like, the weakness of my healing deck is that if someone gets the, it's going to win by like round five, I'm not. My thing counts on me getting getting to at least round, usually around round seven and eight before I could eat, if if I got my landmark out early enough. Yeah, an um, aggressive deck ends up actually solving quite a few problems so with that. I'm aware of that weakness, but I'm also aware that currently I don't have to face too many people who are that aggressive with their deck building. So I can get away with it right now. Um, if... I start facing higher level people, that probably won't be the case. Um, and the weakness of my other deck, my Shadow L deck, is that it's not not quite as efficient as this other deck is. And so it's easier for me to draw the wrong cards at the wrong time. Yeah, it's a little more... It's not as efficient. Like, yeah, it's, it needs setup. That's a problem with some decks that are very particular on like, I must play this card first, trigger its ability... 
then play this other card, and then cast this spell. And the problem is you need those three cards in that order, and then you need the board state to stay correct for you with no changes to it for you to pull it off. Mm -hmm. With the enemy, like, those plans always get ruined. So decks that are flexible, that have multiple ways to trigger different things, um, typically do better. And that's where the Star Spring, as long as you draw it at some point and put it on the board... um, Pretty much everything you play after that is just happy being its own thing. And then yeah. a lot of people in that deck just kind of meld and mesh with each other. So you really mm-hmm. don't have to care, which is why it's strong. And specifically for landmarks, you can't just attack them. You have to have cards that say you can just destroy a landmark or obliterate it or something like that. Yeah, it has no health bar. So you, it, have, to, you have to have an obliterate spell that so, deals it to a landmark. It's a lot harder to get rid of. Yep. But there's usually only one type of landmark per region. So Yeah, right now there's only one per. So easier, harder to find, rarer to find. People don't use utilize them at our skill level right now. So, but um, I know I had a game earlier where I managed, I had, I had the same land card, landmark, but two of the same card for it. Put one out and someone immediately destroyed it. Because they knew how dangerous it was. I put out, and I was able, thankfully, I had two of the same card. Um, and I had drawn them early. I don't know why I had them both in my hand. Because I think I had the decision to mulligan. I decided not to. Um, but I was able to get a second one out. And I don't think I won that one, actually. Like, I knew the danger of my deck. You got you. So, is that your, your two favorite decks, Aaron? Right now, yes. I have other ones I could talk about. But if we're limiting it, just my Shadow Isle Let's, and my Healer deck is my favorite, are my favorites to work with. Yeah, we'll save some more. Otherwise, we'll be here all night as you talk about your twenty decks. <laughs> but it's so much fun. Well, we'll we'll maybe we'll just have a uh, a Runeterra corner where we'll just we'll put ten minutes aside uh, for the next few episodes to kind of go through Legend stuff because uh, it's so vast. Uh, mm-hmm. And we enjoy it, and that's what's important. Yeah. Uh, but James, give us give us one or two of yours. All right, because um, I know how to beat Aaron. I need either a fast deck, or I need to get lucky and her not draw the card that she needs. <laughs> so how do I beat James? Uh, it's not that hard. Um, <laughs> so the the one deck I'm running is just the standard scrub. Good old meta tier one deck, or close to it. Um, it is a uh, Demacia Piltover hard aggro burn deck. And that means just lots of spells dealing piles of damage, lots of early game aggressive units, piles of units that are played by being discarded, and then units that when you play them, you have to discard something and then you'll get a card draw. So if I can set it upright on turn one, I'll have two characters out on the board for the price of one, and then on turn two, I'll have two more characters out on the board for the price of one, and I will have drawn more cards when playing them. So that hopefully on turn three, I have a five-character board start or after I've played on turn three. So I've got like almost a full board, and I'm ready to attack piles of of units at that point they're all low level and not very strong but they can just 
start to immediately apply a lot of pressure and pick off those cheap units on the other side that are like trying to trigger abilities or trying to get bigger units set up. So try to pick off some of that. And then it's all around Jinx. So Jinx Draven is the deck, um, but it's mainly Jinx. Once I get Jinx out, the goal is to get rid of my entire hand to level her up. And then I have a pile of cards in my deck that continue to empty my hand. And every time once Jinx is leveled up, I empty my hand. She gives me a big, huge mega bomb, mega death rocket that costs one mana and deals four to the enemy nexus and one to every other enemy on the board. And there's another card that buffs all abilities, like damage abilities. So it turns into five to the nexus and two to every person. If you get a couple of those out, they're called Funsmith. Um, suddenly Jinx is, every turn, if you can dump your hand, she is going to deal five to your nexus and two to every enemy. If I can get that set up right, that's going to happen on like turn five or turn six if I'm slow. Is ideally where that happens. So by turn six, if you're not set up on your side of the board and killing Jinx, I'm... I'm just going to start hammering away with all these like gigantic high damage spells. And so that's the uh, that's kind of the standard one of the higher meta at least for low level play. I'm sure I think a Lee Sin deck is the current kind of like top tier ladder mm -hmm. climbing deck for ranked, but that one's fun. That was kind of the first deck I dove into cuz it was cheaper to get the cards for. Um, most of what's in that deck is cheap common cards, so you can build it after a week of playing with, like, one vault, as long as you also picked Piltover as your battle pass, like the free battle pass that you can complete. Um, the other one that I'm messing around with and trying to find the right spot for, um, which also, by the way, I have a deck like Aaron's that doesn't do the ephemeral thing, but it uses a card call called the Undying, um, and it has no champion. So it's a championless deck built around killing this one unit over and over again. And every time it's killed, it will come back the following turn stronger. And there's a bunch of really powerful spells, but the cost to them is kill one of your units or deal damage to your own units first. But with these guys, they just turn into meat shields for me. And they're a resource I continually tap into. So if I can get that deck working, um, that starts to ramp up really quickly and then I've got all these powerful spells that I'm playing for free because I have a character that's freely dying over and over again um, so that one's also cool um, that's a fun champion list deck if you don't want to play with champions you can build around there's a couple different um, characters you can build champion list decks around then the main one that I'm playing with though there's a new card that came out with the latest KDA event um, called give it all which when you play that spell it makes every champion on your board, it raises all of their health to the maximum health of your top champion and the maximum uh, power to the top of whoever's got the highest power. And then it gives everybody everybody's keywords. It's really finicky right now. I need to work on ways that it can't be countered. Um, but it's a Vi deck currently that runs um, a bunch of kind of like elusive and lifesteal units. So stuff with keywords. It's a bunch of cheap units that have a bunch of keywords. And the goal is to drop Vi with a pile of health and especially damage, pop that spell and give five different characters Vi's stats. 
So typically you'll turn into, I have an entire board of elusive, um, life-stealing, tough, challenger characters, and they all have 15 attack power and five health, or sometimes like six health. And so suddenly my board is that. And on my turn, if you haven't killed me, I have all of these elusive units that are going to kill you. So that deck is finicky. I, I need to work on it for PvP. There's plenty of ways to counter the give it all card. Um, but that one's really fun, because that's also kind of like with Aaron. It's a deck that you kind of lose, 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 and you're just trying to stay kind of in the game. And then once you can fire that, if you get it set up properly, suddenly you're, the swing is huge, because everyone's life-stealing, so you could be at one health. Any game I've won with that deck, I'm at 20 health by the end of the game, because it's just the life-steal heals my entire mm -hmm. pool back up. So that always feels good. It's scary to look at. It's scary to look at, but it, like... The AI can't deal with it. It's It completely destroys the AI every time, but they don't have all the counterspell stuff. And Give It All has a couple ways to counter, um, which is really annoying. So I'm still working on that one. I need it to be more efficient if it's going to be even at a like a, a positive win rate. It's probably like 50-50 or 30-70 right now, I would say. So I'm working on that one. What about you, Randy? Real quick, what are when you look at the regions or the champions, is there a mechanic or idea that has been shown to you that catches your eye of like, I kind of want to get Bilgewater and Deep, or I kind of want to do Ionia with Shen Barriers, something like that? Well, I know some of those words because I've played <laughs> enough. Um, I, I like the what they call the buff and tough deck. Um, okay. uh -huh. To start out with, I like... The idea of, um, boy, uh, there's some eagles. Um, oh, that eagle hawk. The omen hawk? Omen hawk. Yeah. Those, those I really like because it'll add plus three to attack or to defense to, I believe, someone in your hand. And um, you couple that with, uh, there is a, I believe it's a female rider um, that, when someone else has played, she buffs, and um, and I, I like the idea of um, being able to take what were cheap units at the beginning, and by round four, mm. you yeah. have four units out there that have buffed each other uh, to such an extent that they are, you know, six and seven round units. Um, there are costs associated like low defense uh, unless you use the eagle uh, as a defensive measure. Um, but uh, when you play, I believe it's uh, Braum is a high defense unit that you get relatively early. Mm -hmm. um, that's the kind of uh, characters that can uh, that can really save your bacon. Uh, if if they sneak a, a high level guy out, but if you use the eagle in conjunction with someone like Brom, you can, you know, you can soak eight damage uh, in round four. Yeah, uh, I think the eagle gives one, one to the top three cards of the deck. The but hawk. then there's the, yeah, I guess there's another one. There's I know an that eagle. there's the uh, the tiger, the jeweled tiger guy. We don't really play Frelia, though. Ionia. And if yeah, you're working off card. of the base buff deck, that's a Frelia or Demacia deck. Uh, I'm okay. What I've done wrong is the Omen Hawk is a uh, it grants the uh, top two allies in your deck one and one. And I'm thinking of a spell. 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a low-level spell. Uh, Radiant card? Strike is good because it's, you know, gives an ally 1-1. One, one, uh, but there's one a little bit later uh, that does give a plus like three. Take, take Heart. Take heart. Is take a, heart. That's a, a, a three energy spell that gives uh, three or three. Um, to a, that one take does it to a damaged character. Which is great to play on Braum after mm-hmm. he's taken some but hasn't died because he has regen, which is cool. So he'll heal back up at the end of the round. Exactly. So you basically yep. end up with uh, mm-hmm. you know spending three to have a, a full a full Braum again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just lots of stuff. Uh, Repost is... Uh, you know, plus three attack, plus barrier, and that's a four energy. And that's so that's kind of uh, the direction that I like to go is um, is to be able to buff up and uh, be able to take a lot of damage and keep going kind of uh, the way that your deck, Aaron, is on a timer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like being able to survive later initially for now so that I can see more of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longer I'm in a game, the more I can see things evolve. Yeah. Um, whereas usually in the other card games I played as a, as a Wii one, uh, I liked the fast decks. I liked uh, yeah. summoning someone as quickly uh, as I could to do as much damage as I could mm-hmm. before someone could fully realize a more complicated deck. Um, but yeah, right now I'm trying to find a, a, a slower, a slower build so that I can, I can see what happens later on. Cause I'd hate to build a fast deck and then start doing PVP and, um, you know, not get the cards I need and watch just how powerful someone is later down the road. So I kind of want to see, yeah. uh, what all the options are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I run out of steam in the fast deck online, like if it's really, I'm on the ropes. Like they, they took me out and I'm clearly like, it would be a miracle to get through and their deck looks like it's got 10 minutes left before they're going to kill me. I'm like, yeah, okay. uh, You've won. I'll surrender. You, you got me. Like, I don't, I don't need 10 more minutes to watch you (laughs) go crazy with some OP move. Mm -hmm. Sounds like what you said about League of Legends last time you played, you go up against someone and they wipe the floor with you the first encounter and they're on your side of the map you know, you spend the next 20 minutes just getting, getting yeah, your, uh, you're like, oh, great. That's, and yep, I am definitely, uh, for worse, maybe, um, impatient. Uh, so that's where like games like Apex deathmatch games, you know, that's again, we grew up on a lot more, more combat focused games. It's kind of like you're in and then you're out. Um, so it's same way, like, once I'm losing, I can concede at any point, which is actually feels quite freeing because it happens the other way too. If I get Jinx out and I get my whole deck set up and I'm able to kill their big unit, um, one of their champions, uh, plenty of surrenders happen because they're like, okay, like you're rolling and I'm not going to be able to beat you in two turns. You're going to kill mm-hmm. me. Um, same with Aaron. I know like with that Star Spring deck, oh my goodness. If you don't take it out and you see that thing like two turns away from winning the game and you know you don't have landmark removal in your deck there's nothing to build like you're done you're you're Mm -hmm. going to lose in two turns so i know that probably gains a lot of early surrenders as well or kind of like preemptive not at the very last second i haven't actually gotten a lot of as many surrenders as i would expect mostly because people aren't keeping track of it yet oh yeah so it's like an oh 
you won. Admittedly, that happened to me. You had two out. And so I guess I was reading the wrong one. Or, yes. <laughs> and then the other one triggered it. I'm like, oh, right. There were two. And I was reading the wrong. I thought the other one was the. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. I would, uh, I think right now is a, not the golden era, but it's like the expansion era. I think a lot of people are probably coming into this game right now. Mm-hmm. So it's got a very solid. It's like lacking. It should honestly have a bigger fan base than it has. But the community is definitely growing. They're, they just, which Aaron, you probably don't even know about this, but I saw it on YouTube today. They announced a new expansion coming out in mm. a week and a half um, and teased a couple of the characters that they might be showing. Do we know what region? Or No, they didn't. That, so that's where you probably have to look into it. I don't think that they're doing a huge region expansion yet. I know that okay. the... That's also where right on the coattails of a major expansion where they added the Targon. two regions. Or just one, yeah. Just one region. And then a pile of new cards and characters. Mm-hmm. So right now is like a time when it's very fresh. A lot of people are trying to figure out the game. And they're injecting large amounts of content right now into it for free. Mm-hmm. Especially where it's money, it's monetization is at. Like cost of entry is so low. Um, yes. It's zero. And if you're really impatient and you want a deck... Unlike Magic, where if you really wanted to build a specific deck you saw online, it would cost you a ton of money to buy all the singles. Or in Hearthstone, I believe you can't. Like, you just have to dump money into its RNG system. In this, 10 bucks, and that gets you the three copies of a champion you need for your deck. And then just play for a week, and you'll have enough of the resources you need to buy at least a large portion. And after, like, two, three weeks of playing, you will absolutely be able to build... Like, any top-tier deck you could look up online and start climbing ranked if you really want to just mm-hmm. dive into PvP. So it's, it's amazing entry. Main gems have been playing games. three weeks now? Two, three weeks? Yeah, since, yeah, it's, I guess four. It's probably four now. Five for you, maybe? Probably uh, um, both of us play, a, at least getting our daily experience yeah, and playing a couple rounds, a, a couple to ten rounds, at, uh, five days a week on average. Um. Yeah. With that in mind, uh, like every Thursday, they open a weekly loot or vault that has leveled up depending on how much experience you've earned over the week. That that can have a, give you a lot of just basic and more than just basic resources. Usually, there's at least one champion card you can get, maybe two, depending on what you had in your loot. Yeah, it's tuned really high as far as the amount of content you get out of it. I was really mm-hmm. surprised the first time I opened one. And it's essentially, here's a booster pack. Here's another booster pack. Here's five wild cards. Just go buy whatever you want. Here's a champion wild card. Way to go. And I'm like, wow, that's essentially of what I need to build probably a third of a deck. Yeah. Off of just playing the game for a while. Like I got a free third to half of a deck I need. Yeah, I'm certainly going to need need help uh, building my deck because I've uh, you know almost finished the prologue. I have one more chest to open in the prologue all this uh, yeah all this chest yeah. stuff is uh well beyond my age um <laughs> yeah right so i'm, I'm still i'm like i don't know what all these uh shaky light up things are but uh they do a dopamine dump when i open them so oh, I like yeah. that. you mentioned uh, earlier real quick about like the tactile feeling of playing cards or you know actually moving stuff around or shuffling yeah. which i I'm a huge fan of. I love playing board games for that reason. Sometimes I want to just move some pieces around or hold the deck of cards. But this game with its sound design is trying so hard to like add that tactile 
feel back into the digital game. So I applaud the sound design in this game because it just feels so good to do everything. Yeah, unfortunately, I've been playing it uh, silent uh, for the (laughs) most part. (laughs) Ruined. Oh my goodness. I said that to a sound designer. Uh, Now I feel bad. I play most games silently. I played games you've made silently. <laughs> that one, <laughs> just that one was to hurt you. I apologize. I do listen uh, on on some of them. Anyway, I would recommend it. Ten out of ten. Uh, mm. Game sounds phenomenal. Maybe over the top occasionally. They've they've done a good job of making the visuals look good and look rewarding, and the audio, like the, those, work really well in tandem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have listened to the audio. Uh, I mean, twenty percent of the time, I do have it on, and it, it does have some very, you know, shink, shink, boom, and then <laughs> you can hear the card shuffling. They do really uh, mm-hmm. put a lot of effort into into trying to bring a little bit of that in. Uh, it's nothing quite like uh, knowing someone's good cards because they're worn out more than. The other card, you see the next card <laughs> yeah. coming up in their deck has like like frayed edges, and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. They've built the around this card for years. <laughs> yeah. That's so. there. Red eyes. Well, that is a, a fun game that we have Realize a lot of turn. thoughts on. Um, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on it again uh, mm-hmm. next episode. Yep. Sorry, uh, everybody. No, not at all. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll warn him in the description. And if you don't read the description and you're just now saying, oh, well, he did, you should read the description next time. It's like playing a game with the sound on. (laughs) (laughs) It's got information in there that might help. There is a puzzle game that I've been playing that I I really do like. The uh, When you figure out uh, a a quiz, it does make a very... um, triumphant sound and i i do like that there's a whole psychology to uh sound design and like what is considered pleasing same with the music you know just there's some mathematical um ways to uh inflict certain emotions that we want and i say inflict because it's absolutely weaponized in (laughs) modern mobile games especially Uh, but yeah i gotta say it is very fun to flex that stuff when, when yeah when the the super shotgun in in doom 2016 is one of those things that is very tactile from the tactile from the sound of it i i do know how to speak english and i know that doesn't work um is very satisfying yeah um yeah, totally from an audio mm-hmm. uh, uh lining uh have we played anything else in the past couple of weeks uh i'll touch on it briefly just because i I think it's pretty fun, but played a little Apex Legends, <laughs> <laughs> the classic. That's you are know, we that's a caricature of our of ourselves yet? We are, yeah, because we're getting Especially, there. Uh, I need to, you know, play some new games. But for now, uh, the winter event came out in Apex Legends. Just want to shout out. I think it's very good. They came out with what was called the train game last year. Uh, It pretty much turns Apex into a respawning deathmatch system where you play in squads of three, and it is three squads of three. So nine players all alone on their map fighting for a king of the hill. It's essentially, it feels like Halo. It's Halo king of the hill, but in their big map with all of, you know, Apex's weapons and movement system, all that, and abilities. Very fun. 
I love it to death. I wish that mode would stick around because I like Deathmatch way more than Battle Royale. Um, but I haven't gotten a whole lot of time to play because my friends haven't been on as much and I've been busy. Um, but I've gotten a few hours maybe in total over the last two weeks. Um, so shout out. It's been improved too. They had some tweaks to it and this year. Mm, it is very good. So I've been enjoying that. It's a great time also for anybody who wants to get into Apex. They give you loadouts. You don't have to do all the searching. You don't have to memorize the map the same way because it's in these little contained kind of spaces on the map. All you do is shoot stuff. It is the reason I started playing Apex Legends last year. I did not like the way that the game spends 10 minutes of me running around just to run into another squad and then instantly die and then do that again. I didn't learn anything. I need to die and immediately get back in a fight so I can learn how to do fights. So I didn't start playing until Train Game came out last year. And it's a very good onboarding mode for people who might want to dabble in it because the gunplay is just so good in Apex Legends. But James, you might. What? I got to ask Will the Train Game still be available when our podcast comes out? Oh, it's a good. Uh, so it's available for four weeks. Four weeks? Of, okay. Like a week ago is when it came out. So I would. Yeah, for anybody listening to this that has not been convinced by me yet to try Apex Legends, um, I would recommend if you liked, especially if you like played Halo back in the day or you like deathmatch modes in games, um, it's a, it's not deathmatch, but King of the Hill, it's pretty close. You also win if you kill everybody else, so you can just tackle it like a deathmatch. But that's available based. till the end of 2020, basically. Yeah, I think it's going to run into like the first or second, like the new year. Um, so absolutely like that's, and then ditch it, just play that train game and then get out of there if you don't like it for the, uh, battle Royale, but well, I'm getting, I'm getting bruised by you nudging my, my, uh, my side, (laughs) my ribs, like, yeah, that's also cross play. So if you get it, I can play with you and man, train game is very fun. Holiday express is what they call it. So when you load into the menu, skip the, don't even play the normal mode get it get out of there stop it just okay. play the train game okay. load into the firing range test out every weapon so you know what they do so you actually know what the guns are and then load into a train game and die a whole bunch but do it so quickly you like jet yourself forward in the learning curve and skip like a hundred hours of learning the game by just playing train game instead it's great well, it sounds like the the closest I'm going to get to Halo on Apex, so that might be the best <laughs> way in like, for me. Yeah, at least yeah, the it really does. It always takes me back to feeling like Halo two or three, back when we'd have a LAN party and we'd play like team based, and so you're running around as a group or mm-hmm. kind of tag teaming different weapons so that you get a couple different ranges covered. Well, I'll I'll go stuff. get some Mountain Dew. And um, put on my headset, plugged into nothing, and uh, I'll give that a shot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, so that's it for me. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you've been playing anything else. I'm still playing Egg Inc. Still? I'm still playing it. Wow. Um, I've gotten to the point where I just check in really, really early in the day and then late at night and just make sure it's still generating eggs. And whip those chains. Just to keep going. Legs. You're good. That's funny. And then I will wait till the next day. 
because I've gotten that far into it on certain parts. And so it's not, it doesn't have the same uh, reward as I had in earlier, in earlier levels because it's not quite so immediate. But I'm at the point where it feels it's very much an idle game now. Yeah. And, it, and it's a little bit like, yeah, I don't have to put all my energy into this to make sure it's still working the way I want it to. I can just leave it and it will keep going and keep progressing. And that's satisfying. And then I'll go back to, over to Legends of Terra and play people for for an hour and a half. But I'm, I'm also still playing Shop Titans. Um, I think it's called Shop Titan. The one where you're, I'm a shopkeeper. I can't remember the exact name. Yeah, you, you mentioned that offhandedly uh, last time. You mm-hmm. have some stick-to-itiveness that, uh, I mean, I, I almost forgot that I had played that game for three and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I find a game I find rewarding, I'm going to stick to it, even if it's just like, particularly on these idle games where it's like, yeah, it takes time for these things to get through. Um, I'm getting to the point on Shop Titan where it takes enough time on crafting, where it's like, oh, hey, to craft this item, it takes 10 minutes now or 15 minutes. I'm not going to sit in the game for 15 minutes uh, waiting for that to happen. But I've also been playing it for almost three months now, I think. Wow. Yeah, because I started these two at the same time. And yeah, I'm in the third month for both games. Um, and for Shop Titans, I'm, getting to, I'm only just getting to the point where it's like, I can't just keep playing like with only like two, three minute wait times. Ooh, they're they're starting to put the squeeze on you for money. They were Shop Titans is I would say is a lot more squeezy than Egg Inc. is. Yeah. Egg wasn't bad. Yeah, I I, I thought they were pretty uh, affable for squeezier than Egg know, Inc. Huh? Being able to play for free. No, I ended up giving no, him I think uh, six bucks in stuff just as a thank yeah. you for letting me play the game sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh. And James, with Shop Titans, it squeezes you more, far more, far more than Egg Inc. does. So yeah, squeezier than than Egg Inc., huh? Yes. Hmm. I heard you easier Randy? earlier. What have you been playing? Oh, I've been playing a few things. I won't get uh, too deep into them because I'm still kind of in process with them. I've been playing multiplayer with my family uh, oh. on different things. Playing uh, with other people in real so, life. My wife and I just finished uh, the main story on Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Oh, fun. Yep. So that's a, that's a fun game because we were we really uh, got systems down, and uh, she enjoyed uh, the heck out of it. And it's you know the most video game she's played since um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood uh, a couple of years back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's nice because it was split screen. We were able to work together and work separately um, and manage our uh, our resources uh, together in a way that we hadn't really done before in a video game. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, I do recommend for a uh, an active offline uh, couch co-op sort of a sort of a game, but we still have the um, there's a there's an after uh, after the game kind of um, set of missions side missions that we're going to finish up first um and then i can talk more on that 
but that's been fun. And uh, my six-year-old and I uh, have started Unravel 2 on the Switch. Okay. Uh, this is the one that came out uh, in uh, summer of 18 on most systems. And it just came out on the Switch, uh, I think, last year sometime. Uh, but it's made by a Swedish, Swedish studio and published by EA. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're kind of, uh, kind of a side-scrolling, uh, high-art sort of a game, but you're two anthropomorphic balls of yarn. Um, and you're, uh, it's mostly platforming, uh, but like you're, uh, you're connected by uh, a string of yarn. And so you have to use each other, uh, to get, um, you know, through the, the, the levels, uh, you can use it as a lasso to grab parts of the environment and swing Spider-Man style. Um, or, you know, you can, you can use the, uh, um, the yarn between you to make sure that someone doesn't fall too far behind because mm-hmm. uh, there's a maximum length and then you end up pulling each other. But sometimes that means uh, that I couldn't get too far ahead of, uh, you know, my son without because um, <clears throat> he had to go back farther to t- retry the swing. Uh, so I had to hop back down. But there is a I give up mode for the second player um, where you oh, can. Nice you can put your character directly over the other person's character and hit the, uh, I believe it's the X button and it will meld the two characters together. Uh, and the other player that didn't hit, uh, the button controls both of them simultaneously. So, uh, you know, if there's a, a specifically difficult section where he simply doesn't have the, the coordination yet to do it, or, you know, if your partner doesn't have the coordination, uh, instead of, here, hand me your controller and I'll just do it, um, it is a, you know, they can keep their controller, go over to your character and say, please help with this, and then you get through it. And it's a way of not taking control from someone that you're uh, helping to learn. It, it, they still feel that they have mm-hmm. control and they can do it on their terms. Um, I really like that mechanic for you know, playing with a, with a a small child that he kind of decides when to do it. And I encourage him to keep trying. And, uh, but like one time he made the jump and then I didn't, uh, but he had to hop down for me to retry. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just, you know, graph onto my character and I'll help us both up there. Cause I'm the one who messed up now. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. We're only, uh, one full level in on that, but it's, it's a beautiful looking game. Um, and it's just a fun little puzzle platformer, um, you know, and some people really like the, uh, nonviolent aesthetic of games. And it, it kind of reminds me of a, uh, uh, the, the, um, the brothers game, uh, oh, not yeah, nearly yeah. as terrifying as okay. that so far, but, mm. um, it's the same kind of feel and, uh, uh, you know, dual control sort of a, sort of a game. So well, cool. I recommend both of those for yeah. those applications. Yeah, I gotta um, keep going in mind. That's probably plenty, I think, uh, <laughs> for one episode. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on uh, anything we've uh, brought up? I don't need to share any more thoughts right now. I think I'm <laughs> to myself. 
Anything other than legends, I should say. Uh, um, I gotta go play some train game. <laughs> That's what I've gotten interested for. Now. I have two thoughts, but I'm going to save one of them for the next time we talk. Okay. Um, but the other one does return to legends, and that, Uh-oh. uh, Randy, with the deck you're building, I would suggest uh, maybe looking into alterations of adding overwhelm-based cal- characters. You know what? I have liked. Uh, uh, there's another deck that they give you. I believe it's the second one you play with that has an overwhelm. Uh, component to it Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you elusive is my bane Um, yeah you got to have something to answer for that yeah i hate elusive elusive sharp sight that's the card you want for that okay i'll keep an eye out for that i've got a bunch of wilds to spend so um, it's a two or three cost card in demacia okay well i'll have to (laughs) sit down and and have you guys help me out with that uh over um over the internet's yeah. Uh, that sounds great. Then, yeah, we'll we'll hit your other your other thought on the next one, along with I'm sure more legends. And you know what? There are some other video games in the world. We might try those. I don't know. I might play Cyberpunk between now and the next. So, well, who knows? People can yeah. if it, if it, <laughs> if it has to release first. Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, it's most likely delay. I'm especially because we'll have some time off during Christmas. Mm-hmm. I anticipate having a lot to say about cyberpunk next time we get together yep and we should have uh time to record um before the christmas holiday uh so that should be that should be fun hey thanks guys for coming on and nerding out about this uh mobile game Mm -hmm. (laughs) thanks for joining us yeah and playing it and I expect you on Apex at some point. I'll I'll do it. I got I got this monkey on my back. Uh, it's it's pulling all my hair out. Yep. So I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna do that. You gotta do it. You gotta. Do it. I'll do Let, that. Let's do start it. with actually maybe playing each other there in Legends of Rotera. Stick to one legend before we get to the other legends. So many legends, legendary both. legends. One would say There's a lot of legends. Legendception. Something like that. <laughs> If you would like to join this uh, debacle, um, <laughs> you are more than welcome to leave ratings, reviews. Um, if I see one next week that says it's just a legends, uh, it's just a legends podcast. All anything with legends in the name is what they talk about. That's fine with me. Um, but uh, yeah, please leave uh, ratings, reviews. Um, our emails in the description. Uh, all of that is fun and good. Um, just like Legends of Ruterra, fun and good. Uh, so if that's all we have, then um, from all of us to you, we're just going to let the nice people go. Good night. Adios. Have a legendary day. Later, gamers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs>